Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit Is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store. All right, we are back. We are back in full effect in the Detroit Is Different podcast studios. It's summertime, and you know what that means in Detroit. It could be any type of weather, but we still loving it. Uh, today, I'm going back actually to my favorite art form, and anybody that knows me knows hip-hop is my favorite art form. It's kind of what got me going in the running start of everything. It's two artists that's uh, cool with somebody connected to the network, Uncle P uh, of the F What You Heard podcast. And Uncle P like, yo, man, uh, Chaz and P Dot is doing some stuff, and Chaz and P Dot is people you need to connect with. And I was like, all right, they sent me something, but I gotta really get back to them and cover it. But now they in effect. P Dot, Chaz, what's up? What's what happening? Though? All right, and y'all feel that energy, that spirit. Uh, you feel the colors. You feel. The ambiance. So we talking Detroit rap, Detroit <laughs> yeah, hip hop. I'm loving it. I'm yes, loving yes. It. So with that being said, be in the building too. They they got their team here, but uh, and they they blessing us with the presence. And now we about to learn a little bit about their story. First, let's go. Uh, I always start with uh, P Dot Family uh, Detroit. Uh, what brought your family to the city of Detroit? Oh shoot. Um. I mean, I, I only know about my grandfather's side. My grandfather is Sicilian. Okay. And um, pretty much uh, they was born, he was born out of the country, you know, 1915. Okay. And um, came over to the States, landed in Jersey. Mm. Majority of my great aunts and uncles, well, great, great aunts and uncles are in Jersey and New York area. Mm -hmm. um, as far as my mom's side, they, when I came, came to be, they were already here, but they, they migrated up from Alabama, from like Huntsville, Mobile, Birmingham. Mm. And um, I have a few family members that's in Houston and Dallas, Texas. So... That's about it. That's all I know. My grandfather, when he came here, um, he left from Jersey, came to Detroit, and he mm. got a job working at Ford Motor. And okay. he was there all the way up until he retired. Mm. So, yeah, other than that, my grandmother, which is my dad's mom, she was just a old-fashioned house mom, you know, took care of eight, nine kids, mm -hmm. uh, numerous grandchildren, great-grandchildren, you know, all the way up until she passed away a couple years ago. But she rested, you know, rest in heaven, you know. Um, as far as my father's, my mother's side, my grandfather, he passed away before I was even born. I never had a chance to meet him. I just know stories and legacy and stuff like that. But other than that, you know, my family is my, is pretty much down south here in Detroit. Okay. New York. Yeah. All right. Now you said eight, nine. So that means you got all type of cousins coming in. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like uh, my, my grandfather actually, uh, my, my, my dad's, you know, the group, it was, it's nine of them. Um, but he was married before he got with my grandmother. Mm -hmm. So he has another set of children. So it's like all together, it's like 17. Mm. And then he got like yeah, two sets, you know what I'm like saying? A whole, that's like a, uh, yeah. Y'all do a family gathering. Y'all playing like full court. I mean, <laughs> yeah, reverse. he had a lot of boys. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he had a lot of boys and just like maybe two, 
Two, he got uh, on my mom on my dad's side. It's it's all boys and two girls, but I'm just not still. I'm still meeting my family, uh, my extended family, because of course you know because it's two different groups. You know what I'm saying? It's like okay, it's kind of weird, you know. Yeah. You know, but and that naturally brings the next question: What neighborhood? What neighborhood? Mac and Sheridan. Mac okay. and Sheridan East Side. Okay. Uh, so. Yeah, right up off the Boulevard between the Boulevard and Van Dyke. Okay. All right. So that neighborhood is. Uh, Definitely a classic Detroit neighborhood when we think about it. It kind of like goes back one of the communities with black folks in there for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Over there, a lot of Kettering, lot, there's mm-hmm. a lot of Kettering uh, pioneers over there. They still represent, but majority, when I go over there, honest, honestly, on that street alone, is maybe I can count on one hand how many houses still stand there mm-hmm. from when I was a little girl. It was uh-huh. full, it was all houses in every spot. Huge families was, was common over there, 14 kids, nine kids, 11 kids, like it was, families were huge. And then when I moved to the west side, which was at that time considered the suburbs, uh, <laughs> at the time it was considered the suburbs coming from the east, it was like, what is this, brick houses? I went from aluminum side to brick houses, you know what I'm saying? It was like, okay, we we came up like the Jeffersons, you know? Okay, okay. But, <laughs> what, what, what part of the west side? Plymouth and uh, Penrod. I'm right around the okay. block uh, where my grandmother, she she's still uh, there, uh, right on Penrod, right around the block from Starters, the original Starters. Okay, so you went from like Kettering's hood to like Cody's hood. Yeah, I, I actually, you know, when I was coming up, I was uh, I was in elementary school. I, I moved to the West Side when I was eight years old. So I was going to, um, it was called Jones Elementary, but it got um, torn down and stuff. I, and by the time I made it to the West Side, Went to um, Marsh, and then I went to Brooks, and then I graduated from Cody. Okay. All right. So that moves me right over to Chaz, and I'm going to come right back into some of them questions because <laughs> Detroit is different covers, like different neighborhoods of okay, Detroit. Yeah, That's I part like of the story. Shoot, so, some different. Same thing with Chaz. Your people, how did they get to Detroit? I mean, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? All the boat stories. And, <laughs> uh-huh. This fool said boat. Uh-huh. I don't know all that, but like... Why? <laughs> Why well, gotta be the boat story though? I'm saying he like how we got to Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah, sure. Dude, we always been. This is what I've always known. Okay. But no, like on my mama's side, I do know. Like, um, the bloodline on my mother's side originated, you know, in uh, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Mm, you okay. know what I'm saying? Like, Mm-hmm. Man, I'm like related to the whole city almost. Okay, so you Pine know. Bluff uh, to and, and that's I know, unique like, though. On my dad's mm-hmm. side, I know I got family in Chicago, and that's where you know I was gonna say that's unique because like the lines that usually brought black folks up north and especially to Detroit is industrial age, right? Mm-hmm. And most of the people from like Arkansas all went further west, like to Chicago. Like, that's why, like, a lot of black folks is from, like, Alabama or Georgia or uh, around Detroit. You know what I'm saying? So to find a family from Arkansas making it to Detroit, I was like, you got to have cousins in Chicago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because almost like the train routes were run right that way. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so your people's is from Arkansas, Pine Bluff. Uh, do you know, like, was it your mom that came up this way, or was it like your granddad, or you don't even know which one was the first one to touch down in the D? Well, the story of my mother was, or is, you know, is um, when she was born, her first, like, 17 or 16, 
because she still had high school here. Mm-hmm. So, like, her first, like, 15 or 16 years, it was in the South. Mm. She was raised by her grandmother. Okay. And then my grandmother, which was her mother, finally came and brought her here. Mm. So she was um, in Arkansas. My so you were almost like Arkansas. the first generation Detroiter. No, because I was her third child. Okay, okay. So it was like my mother came here, did high school. She graduated. I mean, she graduated from Persian. Okay. So she um, got married not too long after she graduated. Mm-hmm. Had my um, older brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, late years later, divorced. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Had me. And then, you know, and that's how the story right, goes. So, right. were you like one of those kids going back and forth? Because she still was real connected to the South. So, like, were you one of those kids that, like, almost every summer, you was down in Arkansas? Yeah, every summer we was in Arkansas, but it was because, like, if it wasn't like a a church, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, a church fellowship or something, it was a family reunion. If it wasn't a family reunion, it was like. You know, like my uncle was a preacher, mm. so he fellowship with a lot of churches down there anyway. Mm. So it was like it was always a reason to go down to the south every year. Okay, and they looked at you like, man, you the Detroiter. I know they looked at you like you was, uh, <laughs> you was like, um, I don't know. <laughs> I always looked at it as just fun, like just uh, uh, you know, while we out here, we about to have fun, like mm-hmm. ain't no reason not to. Yeah, I know that you was like a celebrity around Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, like I really wasn't, you know, like it's just can't really ruin the mood, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, when you go out of town. Like that's what I be trying to tell. Like that's what I had to like put people on. Like when I started like really moving around on my own, mm-hmm. like being a Detroiter, it's like when you leave Detroit, it's like, bro, you can't really mess up my vibe unless you mm-hmm. really intend to. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's like, man, I'm so happy, right? You know, I'm so comfortable right now, just on the strength of my mind frame of where I come from. Mm-hmm. So, um, and within that neighborhood, you said she graduated from Persian. But yeah. what was the neighborhood that you grew up in? A mile of Grasher, four eight uh, four eight two zero five. Okay, so you was like right on the cusp of like being being able to like walk to Eastland every day if you wanted to. Yeah, I stay on Bringard, but I stay like at the end. So like I had to like mine was just that one stretch because mm-hmm. I stayed right there, um, Bringard on Eight Mile and Grasher. So I was like on the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I could take the street straight across mm-hmm. and cut through the Home Depot a lot. Yep. And right there at the movies the target, or whatever. At Target was right there. Yeah, movies or whatever. You probably got all types of Eastland stories being right there. Yeah, Eastland. You know, that's that's my whole child. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's my whole childhood, really. Like, walk through that thing every day. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Eastland definitely, for everybody listening, uh, the first mall in America was Northland Mall. Uh, so that was America's first mall and over time like you know more malls came just across America and Eastland definitely had like the anchor of the east side in it like the feel the vibe you know it's one of the few places where you'll see somebody like wearing $10,000 worth of clothes and then see another person wearing $5 worth of clothes and they just all kicking it like it's like 
this is east side you know what i'm right. saying and it's crazy because that's why i be feeling like you know what i'm saying like at like when it's all said and done and like my story be told it be like i can't really say that i felt like i was i grew up in poverty because mm-hmm. I really didn't feel like due to my surroundings yeah. and how cats was just like, you know, like, yeah, when I grew up, I realized like, yeah, and they just had rich parents. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, it was fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like I didn't ever like, even though I didn't have what everybody else had, I didn't feel like my surroundings was just low poverty. Okay. What, uh, <laughs> what high school you go to? I had I graduated from Harper Woods. Mm-hmm. I had I was enrolled in Denby for like two weeks. DB. And then they end up hitting me with that voicemail. Mm-hmm. Couldn't go back, so my mother immediately uh, got me a Harper Woods address. Mm-hmm. I can admit it now. Uh huh. All I right. So, <laughs> what was the? Because I know your whole crew was at Denby, and Denby, for people to know, like that's definitely one of the schools that I think. Uh, you know, when people think Eastside, they yeah, think that my middle school. My middle school was Burbank, uh-huh. so everybody from Burbank went to Denby. Yeah, and Denby, you know, unless you was like hooping into something, you went to Cass or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep, yep, yep. Denby had a solid hoop squad for a while, but I mean, it wasn't. <sighs> It wasn't Man, Persian I even, or Finnish, That's what I'm but, saying. You know. I didn't. I didn't even step in the hallway, man. <laughs> I didn't even step in the hallway. Like I don't. I didn't go no. Like that. Like I came a block near the school. Mm-hmm. End up seeing a cat that I had uh, kicked it with the day before, and walked the other way with him. That's mm-hmm. the closest I came to school. Uh, ain't that something? But yeah, it's it's like that's the neighborhood school feel. We end up grabbing some Burger King right there, called it, you know, started our day. It's like skip school on the first day. I know that was a weird phone call when uh, <laughs> OG got it. So yeah, as we go, I'm talking about she immediately took charge. Okay, uh, within that, let's let's shift off into hip hop and rhyming. Um, when did you start rhyming? Um, I started rhyming at twelve. Mm. Okay. What was it that was the catalyst to say, all right, I'm, I'm about to start rapping? Um, I had an older brother who rapped. You okay. know what I'm saying? Okay. And, like, coming up under him, he had this little group. Him and his friends called Unit 8. Mm-hmm. So when they used to have their little rehearsals and they cyphers and everything, I used to just, you know, be in the corner, dog, just thinking that that shit was cool. Mm-hmm. You know, so immediately... Like, I took a liking into it, ended up wanting to pick it up. And then uh, one day, while I was in middle school, I had ran into uh, my, you know, my now best friend, uh, T. We started this little group called the D-Boys. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He had rap for me. I rapped for him. We were like, all right, let's do this rapping thing. And when you started, were you writing rhymes down? Were you just freestyling? What what was how'd you go about it? No, I used to write rhymes down, mm-hmm. but like I used to be like just a a metaphor punchline person. Okay, like it had to make no sense at no structure sense at all. But as long as the metaphor is there, like whoa, okay, 
All right, yeah, we still in the mix. I know people like off camera, they want to laugh. We had like a, a, a lean back in a chair situation. This the Detroit is different feel. You know, you can always count on tape. So, so, but then he was just getting a, a better angle of the interview, and I know that threw off the whole question. Which I'm about to bounce it back to P dot now, and she and she probably laughing harder. So, I, I'll come in. All right, she was oh, trying shit. to grab you. Uh, okay, you can always count on tape. Real name, no gimmicks. Underground hip hop awards. Shout out my partner, Uncle P. Want to thank Detroit is different for having us. Yeah, appreciate okay. y'all, man. That's the, that's the, the professionalism. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get this in that same zone as as they gather. As yeah. they gather, y'all watching okay, the real moments now. in Detroit. Trying to, wait for them, trying to wait for you, you right. to Yes, sir. What led for you to start rapping? Oh man, just being around a few friends that was uh, dabbing in it. Um, one of my boys named Point. He um. Was was starting off in the producer realm of it. He uh, it was back in the days of the eight ats and stuff like that. So um, one day um, I went over there and he, you know, every time he used to create something, he just used to be like, "I got some beats, come check out, come check me out or whatever." So I go around there, you know, listen to him or whatever. Um, but but what got me in the studio honestly was one day just sitting there vibing with him, and um, we was just. Toying around rapping over some music and uh he was like i like the way your voice sound you know what i'm saying like you gotta your voice is kind of unique like you, you ever thought about rapping or whatever i'm like nah i never thought about rapping so uh what ended up happening is he was like i got you know something that i wrote you know what i'm saying like i said i wasn't even thinking about uh performing rapping or none of that stuff back then i wasn't even in my in my mind to do it but <laughs> Uh, so so he wrote some music and he was like, if you can remember it, you know what I'm saying, go go home, remember it, come back, you know what I'm saying. And uh, this is back when you are you. Were I was I was in high school. High school. I, was, I was like 13, going on 14. And you so you were like super genius type. You was 13 in high school. That's what's up. Now I mean I was it was the summer going okay, into. You know what I'm saying. In. My birthday is July, so oh, school so be out when my birthday. Yeah, you so know what I'm saying. You one of those people where your mom could have waited to put you. In, nah, she, she wasn't was playing like, around. My mom used to be like, she "We was, was like, in nah, school we early. You in we was ahead, right start now. vacation, Bible yes. school, all that." You know what I'm uh, saying? She, she, my mother was a single parent, you know, so anything that she can get us involved in that had us, you know, productive, she mm. put us in. You know, anything that we wanted to do, and you know, she'd be like, "Okay, once I get y'all started, ain't no stopping." You know what I'm saying? But as far as the um, rapping is concerned, it just was somebody hearing something in me that I didn't hear myself, but it ignited. Once I did it, it kind of was a. And he uh, actually, so when you mentioned ADATS and stuff, he this was like a real studio. Cause yeah, ADATS, it was a, yeah, it was a real studio. The ADATS, he had the one mm-hmm. with the sound, the one with the music. I, I, I never been in the studio before. I was like, what is that? It looked like VCR tapes. You know what I'm it, saying? It definitely. But people, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it was audio. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> so for people that are uh, listening, a lot has changed in the matter of uh, a lot. what's happening with music. Like I went to... The disc and not that far from like uh, the recording institute of detroit and my training to be a recording engineer came in 2000 2001 through 2003 so okay. i was like on the end of what is known as the hardware age of mm-hmm. of equipment to the software age of going equipment, to the digital where yeah. people back then would even say like are you really recording on a computer whereas now people would look at you like you're a, a dinosaur if you right. just want to go with real recording equipment yeah but yeah during that time 
uh, ADAT is an audio digital. Uh, it's like an audio digital recording device that that looks just like a VCR looks tape, just like a VCR but tape. It's better than and easier to use than a reel to reel. And I actually still have some of them old ADATs. I don't know how I bounce it over, but. They cost a lot of money. Yeah. So to have an ADAP machine means that that was like a serious real deal studio mm-hmm. that you was going It was. Into. That was the first studio I ever went into. It was on the um, west side. Uh, I still remember who he is. I haven't seen him in a while, but his name is Corey. He had two sons that he was uh, teaching the engineering and, you know, how to how mm-hmm. to run the studio. But it was the father. His name was Corey. Uh, um he was the first studio I went to. It was right on Orange Line, right by Rudge. He had mm-hmm. it in his home. It was in the basement. It was nice. Like, oh, the whole basement was tore out. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It was a kitchen down there. It was like real kitchen where you can cook, whip up. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Bathroom down there. No excuse, no reason to go upstairs in his up living quarters. But that was the first studio I ever been in. And that's that's what ignited the Gave me the aha moment. This I like doing this. Like. Okay, and you being that age, you weren't nervous. You weren't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was nervous because I didn't. I, I'm I'm the type of person. I don't I'm, I don't never want to mess up. You know what I'm saying? Even at that young of an age, I used to be like, I don't know. I don't want to mess up. Especially when I learned that he's paying for these hours. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, you know, I never I didn't know anything about that. You know, and I think back then. He probably was paying like twenty five dollars an hour, thirty dollars an hour, or something. That's a good discount deal because yeah. that type of studio back then should have been like about fifty. He believed at the uh, the guy Corey was teaching um, my the friend Demond. Oh, okay. He was like kind of showing him, you know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. how to do it. Basically, he was interning up under him. So okay. he, you know, we we that's how we became accessible. You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. how the how the studio was accessible to us. Like yeah, and, and for people that don't know, if you've never rapped, it looks real. I think rap and comedy are probably the two things that people think it are very simple but rap ain't simple (laughs) it's not especially even rapping on beat like it's a lot of times you know transitioning from being able to rap and then rapping on beat and i know it sounds simple to say you can rap on beat but if the measure in a bar and you learn how to write in bars yeah even if people don't know what people call the detray style like rapping off beat is still on B art form to knowing how to you know it's I did right. this yep. the that, cadence the cadence right. when you hear the beat and you're thinking to yourself like how how did he how did he do that out that pocket it was it's a little pocket that's that's what they they call it a pocket mm-hmm. where you uh when you meet your cadence like if certain beats that have you speed up your flow certain certain uh if you get really good then you could toy and play around you could switch up go fast slow you could switch up in the middle or something so mm-hmm. it just depends on how how much you work on your craft you know what I'm saying to yeah, be able to perfect that. that feel yeah it, it, it's about you know? your feeling because like, it'll tell you it'll talk feel, to you like some people hear that beat and they just want to feel cocky on it so. Okay, we're going to talk like this and do it real slow. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and go ahead and hit the studio. What? Mm-hmm. You know? But but within that, then when you play it back, if you've never really been in the studio, and it sounds completely off. Right. Because mm-hmm. in your head versus what it is, it, it it's an art form to it. Like, it's still a skill set that I think getting the bar, getting the measure, knowing where it is... It's you know, a learn. It's a learned thing. You know, it's something that you learn over sober. time. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, whether you high, whether you sober, <laughs> whether you whatever, I don't think, I think sometimes depending upon how whatever, I mean, I mean, nowadays, I don't know if you want pills or if you want to weed or lean, whatever. I mean, you could just be on, on, on wheatgrass juice. Like if you're not knowing <laughs> where it is and how to go about right. it and it sounds off, it yeah. sounds off. I just listened to like Too Short that did a, uh, a, uh, he did like he's doing his two short stories like on Instagram and he said I did one 16 bar verse for Dre and I had to do four eight hour sessions of the same 16 bars over and over and he, over he wanted him to perform because it. I don't want to hear the breath I want to hear the K and when you say yep. kick and I want to hear yep. the, the you catching all of this I was just now, I was just about to say it, it, it comes into play with the engineer because sometimes engineers mm-hmm. catch here like out working with different engineers like Maestro and Asar and stuff like that like they they hear stuff that you, you just be trying to get it out yeah. and they be like hold on I think you could do that better Give me another mm-hmm. one, or you 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 pronunciated. You know your enunciation wasn't clear mm-hmm. on that one. Let's do that again. We're trying, and then it's like the more you do it, you try to keep your energy. You try to keep it believable. You know what I'm saying? It's like acting. It's 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 a hundred percent entertainment. Like very, people think it's easy. It's not easy. True. And even with this podcasting, like and and that's what podcasting because it's conversation is different. But when you smile, you hear a smile. I know it sounds weird. When you smile, you, you hear a smile. Cracking. You hear a, you hear a person <laughs> laugh. So, like, if I'm in a bar and I say, like, you know, like, Jay-Z, to me, has great execution. It's like, you know, you know, friend or foe, what you want to do? Like, it's he's posing the question and adding personality to the question so that you you even if you don't speak English, you know, oh, that's a question. Yeah. Because his his hear the tone. voice went up a pitch mm-hmm. on that question. But when we get into like, I know I'm rap nerding right now, but when you get into that, that's the difference between a bar hitting a person like where Being it's relatable. Yeah. And then it's just like a person just saying it. It's like what you want to do, friend or foe. Yeah, that's what they say the, per- the, the, the performance. That's what they call the performance. Mm-hmm. So when you get in there and you're reciting you know, yes. you don't want to sound like you read. You want to sound like just like how you and I are having a conversation. Yes. You want it to be as natural as possible. You know what I'm saying? So that's yeah. why they'd be like, okay. I had to learn that over time. Like when a person tell me like, okay, I think you could do that a little bit. It's the performance. It's the making them, making it believable part. And, and Not also, sound like it's reading. And also, you know, depending upon how deep you go, Certain rhymes can, like, on purpose, be, can become more memorable mm-hmm. based on the words you use. Yeah, how many syllables are in those words you use? Uh, how you how you have the word fit the beat, and this is really like what you say. It's the relationship between a rapper and the engineer. Because mm-hmm. even as an engineer myself, if I don't really like your music, I'm gonna deliver, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be as creative as like, no, nah, I really like yeah, what he's gonna do. How yeah. do I get the most out of? Yeah. him or her yeah versus if if i'm just like all right it's it's 60 dollars an hour yeah because we can tell honestly hours, what people you know. don't know is as artists we could tell when we just dealing with somebody who just want the money and somebody who's yeah. really involved craft wise you know what i'm saying we could tell we're like oh he don't care he just pressing the button go on here y'all thank mm-hmm. you for the money goodbye but then you run into those engineers and producers that be like okay look however long it take it's however long it take. Like, you know what I'm saying? Don't try one hit to quit it. Don't try. If you mess up, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because some people put it in you like, okay, and when you go in here and you won, you you do it one take, you, that's, that's, you know, 
Like that's the top notch thing to do, but it's like okay, let me know if I mess up. If because you on the outside listening in, yeah. you can hear what I'm saying. I can't hear what I'm saying. So if you hear me stutter a little bit, you hear a lisp, or you hear a little something, tell me so I can correct it. Because once it's out there, then it's out there. I can't fix it. Yeah, you can't fix it, and you only got a one time to leave that first impression. Right. Which that kind of brings to you brought about your first studio time. Chaz, what was the first time you hit the studio? Uh, wh- who, where was it at? What was the circumstances? What you record? Um, first time I hit the studio was uh, 13. Yep. So you yeah, was young 13. Too. Yep, 13. Um, it was uh, called One Touch Studios on Six Mile and Grasher. Okay. You know okay. what I'm saying? It was in like the back of a... Uh, like the 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 stu- like the place was actually a record store, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They had all the CDs and the tapes and everything, and then all the way in the back, it was like the like a room just like this, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And it was a studio, the booth was like right over there, and then it was just like this big board right here, and then it was this um big cat by the name of uh, Vale, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Vale, and um, yeah. Yeah, we was back there, man. We made a song. We impressed the big homies. We was like, if we can impress these older cats, I know we can impress our peers at school. Took us to school the next day. You know what I'm saying? Started, like, pumping around the school. And just uh, off of that, next thing you know, we battling in the lunchroom. And Mm -hmm. from there, we doing stuff like talent shows and black history programs. And Mm -hmm. now we're doing our own. Anything that could be a show. Yeah. Now, within that, uh, so was this like a group? Was this a crew? Like, who, yeah. who was at the studio? It, it was the uh, like a yeah, because you like I say, it's all in one. You know what I'm saying? Like group crew. Mm-hmm. You know, because outside of music, we all just was brothers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it was me. You know, shout out to my homie Turks dude, his brother Q Nice. And then uh, his cousin, uh, Danger, at the particular time, you know what I'm saying, his other cousin, Ty, and his cousin, Mark, you know what I'm saying, they was rapping too, but they ain't really rap for long. And then as time went on, you know what I'm saying, shout out to V Noco, shout out to uh, Chef, you know what I'm saying, it like went like through a couple other cats that was on the block with us, you know, and then from there, kind of like end up all right here what you see okay now with that like for for everybody listening that's not as familiar with like a hip-hop growth like a rap like that's group. the i ain't even say it though my bad that's on me i ain't even like but that's like the whole 3269 thing 3269 mean d-boy mm. so like after a while you know what i'm saying we like Everybody gonna keep claiming D-Boy Because we from Detroit mm-hmm. It's an easy thing to think of mm-hmm. Might as well go ahead and switch it up But at the same time We ain't gotta change nothing We just being unique And still being in our own lane So 3269 mean D-Boy Off the uh, house Like you know Off the house phone, phone the pad yeah, yeah. 3269 spelled D-Boy mm-hmm. And you can even look at on your cell phone And even see that mm-hmm. So that's like where we got it from Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. And I was just letting people know, like, a rap group versus a rap crew. So, like, a rap group is, like, a group that of people that really rap. So, like, outcast for the person listening would be the group. The Dungeon family would be the crew. So, like, right. all of the other people associated with 
coming right. to the show, uh, wearing the shirts, probably moving at the time, maybe CDs or, right. or whatever. Like that is like they're a part of the movement, but they not necessarily performers. So that that's like matters. That, like that's what that's what's so crazy. You couldn't you could not like you could not be around us and not rap. Like mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. It was plenty of people that came around us, and when they came around us, they didn't rap. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But give it about three months. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They got a verse now. Because once we realized that, you know what I'm saying, we can go ahead and might have a future in this, we went ahead and purchased our own equipment. Okay. You know what I'm saying? We went ahead and invested in just making the music. But after making the music, it's just on some, okay, let's burn this CD. We got this out. You know, we taking it over here, letting them hear it. Mm. But ain't nobody, you know, we don't know nothing. You know what I'm saying? All we know is we got, we from wherever block that we on right now, though, we got them banging our shit. And okay. right now, that's enough for some little niggas, especially with a couple dollars in our pocket. So what... Uh what equipment did you guys got get first? Because that is definitely the independent route. What was what was the first piece of equipment you guys got? T already had the computer, mm-hmm. so he went ahead and we went ahead and purchased a mic. It was a pawn shop right on A Mile. We went ahead and purchased the mic, the mixer, and everything already came with the mic purchase. Mm-hmm. So we went ahead and got the program. Um, what was that program called? Um, Damn, uh, cyber bass, bass, cube bass, mm-hmm. cube bass. We got the program cube bass. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We went ahead and downloaded that. And then from the mic, the mixer, and then uh, using his pop's basement, because his pop's had this big space. Like, his basement was big as hell, but. You know, we had like this little ducked off space, turn off the furnace sometimes, and then boom, get to it. So from there, we just used to, like, we, it was enough to just hear ourselves, you know what I'm saying? But like, as far as like mixing and mastering, we ain't know nothing about it. It was just straight. Is it good enough to play? Mm-hmm. Turn that up, turn that down, boom, put it in the car. Let's see how it sounds. All right, now. With that shows, you, you mentioned the school shows. What was the first show y'all did outside of school? First show we did. <laughs> first show we did outside of school was a, um, it was a birthday party. Mm. It was a chick that went to our school. She had a birthday party at one of them. Uh, what they call like UW UAW UAW halls. UAW halls. Like yeah, it was off of. Um, it was off of like Nine Mile and Kelly or something, like right off that okay. freeway. She had a uh, she had a party over there, and um, it got crazy. <laughs> it got crazy, but it was but it, it was on some like when we pulled up, we chilled in the parking lot for like two hours. You know what I'm saying? We chilled in the parking lot for like two hours, just on some. We young, we got liquor and everything like that. So we really ain't trying to just, you know, we know we can't just be walking around, you know what I'm saying, like that. So we really just on some chilling in the parking lot, getting ready, boom, boom. So once we walk up in the party, it ended up being a little, not like a fight, but a little scuffle 
between one set of people that wanted one in, that wanted one individual between the other set of people who already had the individual. That gets set up between within like 20, 25 minutes. So we had this song at the time called Crispy. It was like a fashion song. You know what I'm saying? I think it went like, if I can remember it correctly, it was like a... Crispy, crispy when you got tall tees, button ups. Crispy in the old school, crispy in the truck. Throwback jerseys from the 1960s. If somebody hating, tell that boy get crispy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the jerseys and the throwbacks was in at that time, if you remember. Yeah. So I just remember like when we performed, when we when we first came on with it. I swear you wouldn't even thought that a fight just happened. Cause everybody was, you know, everybody really was like took, took presence in they in they in they gear at that time, so it was like, hell yeah, and then we crispy, you mm. know what I'm saying? So the music basically, up, y'all and, performance helped chill out what was happening before it, and we end up getting another party. That's what's up. That's what's up. So from from that performance, did it like. Uh, you all actually did something that most rappers don't do. Y'all first performance, y'all was performing for like what I call an audience versus performing for other rappers. But because we a lot know. of rappers sometimes, let me let me get this point. Like in the rap journey, like comedy, this is similar. You'll hit a lot of open mics. And when you go to open mics, you usually performing for other rappers and not necessarily like at a party, you performing for an audience. So in performing for an audience, that's a better experience, I think. But <laughs> yeah, it was cra- it was great. That's why I say. That's why, like, when you asked me, that's why when I laughed, I laughed at first because, mm-hmm. like, you know what I'm saying. I, I I take pride in actually having such a dope first experience. Yeah, and didn't know that that was actually gonna be my my mm-hmm. story. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because you watch it so many times. Mm-hmm. You know when you watch when you watch the ones that you inspire. And look up to when you watch their story and how they first time be so cool and all of that. And then you watch the greats like Sam and all of them. You see how they first times was cool stories. So it give you, you know, kind of let you feel good. Like, okay, I'm on the right track so far. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, my first time cool. When did you when did you finally like hit an open mic or perform for rappers and recognize like, okay, this is a whole different thing? Um I mean, like I say, we all, I did all of that in Burbank, you know, like, like I say, by the time we was in the eighth grade, the school by itself was letting us do personal concerts Mm. where we, they canceling fifth and sixth hour Mm. for us to rap, like, with it's flyers, posters on the wall, Mm. D-Boys, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, that's when we realized, like, Okay, we can actually do something. But it's just, at the time, you know, it's just like YouTube and all that wasn't like that. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like easy just to flaunt and show. So it's like our mind really didn't care about, oh, let's record this or let's get this. We were just living in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, man, it's fun, you know. Which, P-Dot, that moves me back to you and, and the performance journey. When did you, and more so just in performance, when did it hit you from, like, you you talked about your first time in the studio. When did it become, like, all right, this is really what I'm about to start doing? When did it hit where 
I'm gonna do this. Um, I'm that moment honestly, but um, once I got into Cody and they used to have ciphers and stuff, and I used to sit back and watch all the art. Um, well, it's a, a lot of them are making moves now today, but then you know it just was something we used to do. We used to link up in the fourth hour lunchroom in the Cody lunchroom. And um, they used to beat on the tables with the lighters or with the pens or whatever, and they used to go around. But I, I was building my confidence up, and one time I jumped into the cipher, received well, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep doing it. So as far as, like, hobby-wise and passion-wise, it, it developed that year. You know what I'm saying? But um, it was, like, years later when um, one, of, one of the guys from the neighborhood, he was – ambitious and he was like I want to start a label you know what I'm saying and the person who brought me into the studio the first time brought the work that I did with him took it to him he heard it and then I met him and then I got signed you know what I'm saying at a young age so it was like uh from then I, I, I it was more of a passion still then I really didn't know the business I was so young but you know it was fun you know what I'm saying so I was doing a lot of a lot of performing with the older guys in the neighborhood now that the, adds a whole nother layer because hip-hop like a lot of industries, it's definitely male dominated. Yep. You know, so being being a woman, being a young girl at the time, how did you navigate that? Because it just the the energy, it's a lot of testosterone. It's a lot of, you know, uh just the whole the whole presence. Like you can go to underground rap shows and Damn near, I assume if I see a woman, it's like okay, she gotta be the girlfriend of like one of these rappers. Like sometimes it, it, you can count on on one hand mm-hmm. how many women are in. Like you know, I've been in the shelter. The shelters, the like underground space of of uh, St Andrews Hall, but the shelters where a lot of hip hop shows happen. But mm-hmm. it's not underground hip hop is not a space where women usually go. Yeah. No, no, like I mean, I never been a shy, a shy as a shy little as a girl. I was never shy. Mm-hmm. I was dancing. I was like, you know, I was I was very open minded, very free spirited. So I was never scared. But it it was like something like with my with my crew. Um, I had I was um on the label with Malik, Cheddar Boy, Malik, Jeff Brown, Snipe. They were battlers, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. they they barred up heavy, and it was mm-hmm. like I had to develop that because as a first lady, it was like when we when we came out, Rock Bottom was out, Street Lords was out, you know what I'm saying? So it was like crews, and they all had a first lady, you mm-hmm. know, Raw Collection. They had Redbone, um. The uh, rock bottom, they had Nina, Nina the pimp, and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? They had different, different artists, females. So it just used to be our female artists, our first lady, harder than y'all's. You know what I'm saying? They used to pit us to, against each other a lot of the times. But I came out the gate aggressive because of my surroundings. You know what I'm saying? I was, I was barring up and and getting molded in the aggressive bar, bar mm-hmm. up battle rap era. You know what I'm saying? So I wasn't never no lollipop, sugar, sugar plum. Speaking rapping female, you know what I'm saying? I came out the gate aggressive, you know what I'm saying? So I was always able to hold my own against whoever, girl, mm-hmm. guy, whoever. So when they used to uh try and stereotype me and stuff like that, because I used to be like when I was younger, I like I dressed today, you know what I'm saying? Jogger suits and stuff like that. They'd be like, Oh, she rapped, and they automatically think that because you're a female that you're not good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I found myself having to prove myself a lot of the times. I had to prove myself a lot, still to this day, still gotta prove myself. Yeah. And and also just like the the span of 
of it. And yeah, shout out like Redbone. Uh, mm-hmm. Redbone, so the Miss like Coronas. Corona. Yep. Um, Boss, you know what I'm saying? All mm-hmm. the females that came out and stuff like who who said, oh, look, we're not about to be selling sex. We're just going to bar up, you know. Mm-hmm. It was it was it's harder for us. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to just go out there and just flaunt, you know, show, just be what everybody expects you to be. You know what I'm saying? Sexual object or whatever. Like, it's easy to talk about nothing. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you want to be honestly respected as a, as a MC, like I hate people calling me rapper. Like, she's a rapper. I'm not a rapper, bro. I'm an artist. You know what I'm saying? I'm an entertainer. Mm-hmm. It's different. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing this too long to be called a rapper. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's kind of offensive. You know what I'm saying? So it's like um, once you reach a certain level, it's like, okay. I can show you more than I can tell you. A lot of the times, I, I love to do the had a surprise factor when I'm about to get on stage, and then I get up there and I sh- actually shut that motherfucker down, and then I get up off of there. Then they be like, "Damn, I ain't know. I know you didn't." So but now that you do, <laughs> within that, okay, let's break that down because it's definitely like different definitions. So mm-hmm. like when you hear rapper, what's the what's the connotation? What's the it's thing like that you comes saying to your like mind, I'm doing thinking. it as a hobby. I'm past the hobby phase. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm I've been investing. I've been doing this for years. You know what I'm saying? And, and stuck to it and I've been investing hard earned money, you know what I'm saying? Stuff that I could have been doing anything else. I really mm-hmm. believe in myself. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Regardless of what anybody else think, you got to believe in yourself first. So if you don't want to invest in yourself, you can't expect for nobody else to do it. You know what I'm saying? You could be cold. You could be the, the, the coldest spitter and not know the business. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But it's like when they say rapper, it's like hobby or ha-ha. Like they, they already look down on, on hip-hop. It's like it's nothing anyway. You know what I'm saying? Being the living and, and you know what I'm saying paying your bills and creating a legacy off of music they look at you like that ain't nothing but I'll be like you get up there and do it see how many tomatoes get thrown at you see you get bo- mm-hmm. get booed off the stage or whatever mm-hmm. it's a process like you know so yeah that that's offensive like a lot of people don't probably don't open up and say like hey dog I don't like being called a rapper like mm-hmm. that's really offensive like so and not now nah, that just leads to one of my questions too because kind of when I talk to especially a lot of the younger, uh, younger, younger cats doing uh, hip hop, yeah. like um, the art form itself and music in general, mm-hmm. how much is music? Because it's it's such a disconnect because I don't even know how people even value music as if this is a product to be sold now because like record stores don't exist. Right. You know, uh, when I talk to like when I talk to most cats when they come up to me and say hey man help me with what i'm doing with my music and then right. the first thing i turn around and say okay when's the last time you paid for a concert ticket mm-hmm. when's the last time you paid for an actual itunes uh album right when's the last time you paid for music so it's like okay you not even the audience of people you trying to sell this to right like, you're making a product that you probably don't even know who the buyer is right like so right now you you're you're uh you definitely help it Mm-hmm. You're you you you're like a part of I guess the promotion of it, and when you look at the numbers of rest in peace Nipsey Hustle, like when he put up the numbers of like how much you get for like a stream, mm-hmm. a YouTube play, and and we're still just blindly trusting this. Like it it like do we as do we that love hip hop are we adding to the problems in hip hop by not really even paying for hip hop? Uh, like and I'm just I guess this is just an open question because mm-hmm. I, I had this talk with a lot of people like P and just a lot of people like how how do we respect more of it when it's free in in, in most people's mind right now? Oh, so let me get it on that one. Okay, all right. <laughs> so uh, 
a lot of what you've been saying so far in the interview has been like debunking craftsmanship and artistry from commonplace that takes place on the business side. And what I mean by commonplace that takes place on the business side, you just need a product to sell in terms of the hip hop music business. Mm -hmm. And so artists, male or female, producers, arrangers, studio homes, they have become products and brands because they've had to survive the climate of the internet as you brought about earlier when you were talking about the transition from analog to digital. And so with that transition, everything became accessible. You know, the cost of a studio session in the mid-90s in comparison to what somebody would pay for a studio session now and just the accessibility to do it yourself in a way that you couldn't back then, it watered down, you know what I'm saying, the hazing process and it watered down the paying dues process to kind of show and earn your craftsmanship to be able to compete and call yourself legitimately an MC or artist. So it's easier now for people who don't really have that talent to learn the talent and to kind of uh, create a skill and then turn that skill into a product or brand and sell it because what we value is the lifestyle that comes from the music and that's what they're selling. So it's more about the lifestyle than it is about the artistry. So I'm gonna sell you on that every night I'm partying or I'm gonna sell you on every night I got multiple sexual relationships happening. Every night I'm blowing money, you know, they selling you that lifestyle. And because people want to be entertained, and even like in movies, you know, sex, sex, drugs, and rock and roll sales. So it's less about the artistry and it's less about having a real talent that you develop or a real skill that you sharpen still against still and, and cure and make sure, you know, it's solid. It's less about that. Like even what you were saying about being an engineer and having went to school for it. There's a lot of young men that I know who want to engineer, who want to produce. And I made the same suggestion about the Recording Institute of Detroit. One, because it's a, a certificate program. It's not traditional education. It's affordable and legitimately in our market is so many studios that if you get that piece of paper, you can be employed in less than 60 to 90 days or you graduate from the program because it's not enough good quality engineers in the city. Like it's more rappers than there are than there are good engineers. Okay, and and this is what's so weird about that. B, I got I gotta I gotta pick your brain on this because it just be climbing around my brain. Um, so as you talk about, they're selling the lifestyle, and that's what people want. And I agree. I I remember I was a part of a promotion where it was a it was a it was a concert, uh -huh. and it was an after party, uh -huh. right? And we were, it was easier to sell out the after party than the concert. Correct. And I was like, this is a whole different culture. This was maybe like four years ago. Okay. Because if I would have had the option of going to see like, I don't know, like some of my favorite MCs, like let's say Nas. I don't want to go to the after party with Nas. I want to see him on stage spitting. Right. And I wouldn't even, like it wouldn't even thought thought process of like having a VIP booth next to Nas is something that I want to do. I want to see Nas on stage rapping. You know what I'm saying? Nas is like. Right. So as we talk about the lifestyle, and the lifestyle is a part of the branding now, mm -hmm. and I do, that's a good way of saying it because that is, I think, what people connect with. Um, it is, 
it, like, uh, should should an artist, is it smarter just to focus more on things outside of the music? Should you be more focused on the clothes, more focused on the look, more focused on the photo shoot, more focused on who you follow on Instagram, more focused on that girl from Instagram uh, taking a regular post with you and going live with you? Like, does it make sense to even focus on the music if it seems like more of the success is associated with the rap lifestyle than anything else? Because it, it just... That's where the culture is right now. Yes and no. Um, music is still the soundtrack to what's happening. So when you talk about the average Detroit, quote-unquote, artist or rapper and the subject matter and content they refer to, it's definitely high on lifestyle. But that lifestyle that they're rapping about on the record is still the soundtrack to what's going on mm -hmm. at that particular event, party, mm -hmm. or situation where that music might be might be being played. So it kind of goes hand in hand. I think it really depends on the artist, their team, who's behind them, who pushing them, on how much you focus on the, the talent and the skill and how much you focus on the business side of it and trying to make money off of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I always tell people that that's the old question that you have to ask yourself when you get off into this is, am I doing this for myself? And the people that, like my family and friends, that support me, because if that's your goal, then you can make music all day at home and just give it to your family and friends and not think none of you. But if you on some level have a desire to want to be known, even citywide, you know, more than your neighborhood, then you kind of got to jump in that business bag a little bit. And then when you jump in that business bag, you're making the conscious decision to understand that, okay, once I give this music to the public, it's no longer mine. Mm -hmm. So I'm living and dying with the criticisms and opinions that come with it. And sometimes that opinion can be non-musicality based. It's not based on how well it was mixed and mastered. It's not based on the content of what you might have wrote or rapped about. It's not based on how good or how great the quality of the production is. It's based on if they just simply liked the beat, thought the hook was okay, or if that record, they might have heard it 2 a.m. in the club, and they was high for leaning pills, and it just it made a good transition to their next location. And, and what you said is kind of something that I key in on all the time, too. People want an experience. Right. And, like, uh, J. Cole album just came out. And to me, J. Cole make music I like listening to in the fall more than the summer. So, yeah. like, I'm on... I listen to it. I'm like, this is dope, but I'll come back to this sometime, like, in October or November. Because right now, my mind right. ain't in that zone and it ain't saying that the music is bad it just it don't fit that vibe it don't, it don't fit ain't really at. where my vibe is right now right it don't and fit where right. you at you, yo, you know when I have my Monte Carlo it's like okay I never would listen to Gucci Mane but guess what Gucci Mane and my Monte Carlo it fit you know what I'm saying <laughs> like it fit you know what I'm saying whereas you know in now for Fusion it's like I'm gonna vibe out with more like I be vibing out with more regular, like I'm listening to Najee or in in you know what the old school joints my 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 mom and them used to play. I'm like Shane Park, jazz on a Wednesday most times. You know what I'm saying? But that be the feel. Whereas when we work out, yo, we're we're something with more energy, more adrenaline. You know what I'm saying? I generally would not listen to this song, but now nah, let's pull it in. Yeah, and that's where a good a good producer and our arranger. That's where, like, that Quincy Jones style of way of producing, to some degree, Timbaland style of way of producing, to some degree, Diddy come in, because it's like, mm -hmm. 
you have to be able to take note of the vibe and the energy that exists in commonplace in terms of where the world is. You got to have your posts on what's going on. And some of the, the biggest records that we all know and love that span all the decades of hip hop were culturally sound and relevant at that time, but it, and it came could out. expand out of it. Right. You know, like I mean, rest in peace, Shug G. Like Humpty Dance hit. At, it's a party. It was more dancing. It, it and like people really dance. So it's like okay, I can do this new dance, and the beat got a good backbeat, good bass. It's a real funk man doing this. This kind of sound like the funk my parents was listening to. Right. So I can spin out of like I'm not gonna play this but I can play this you know yeah, it's a culture record and because it's a great culture record that hit during this time it got passed on down through generations at yeah. family functions and graduation ceremonies or whatever whatever, whatever was the, the positive yeah. moment that was going on so even today if a DJ plus play on it you're gonna get a reaction because it's like a, a cultural relic it's gonna always absorb and have that space and so that's like uh, like you said earlier, where we kind of nerd out, that's mm-hmm. kind of like been the whole approach we're working with them. It's, and that's what the next question for yeah. both of you guys as yeah. I wrap up, you all did something that ties to something that is very Detroit. Yeah. And that is like Coney Island is a Detroit to the point where like sometimes I used to ask rappers, I'm like, how many Coney numbers you got saved in your phone? You know what I'm saying? Like, how, you know what I'm saying? What, where do you, you know, how how do you go? And it's like, no, nah, I ain't gonna go to that one. I'm gonna go to this one. It, like, what was it about Coney that made you say, I'm tying into that? And even like with what Tone Tone doing with his Tony Island, you know what I'm saying? Like, what was it about that that made you want to say, I want to capture that this essence of the culture of Detroit through hip hop? Well, I want to kind of like distance a little bit with the uh, with the Tony Island. So the the energy and the concept and the whole coming together with that, we did that a few months prior to the announcement of Tony Island and kind of some of the other stuff that's going on culturally right now with Coney Island overall. But for me, um, supporting them creatively in on the business and as a manager, it was a creative way to bring them both together under something that was culturally relevant for the city. So it was a way of saying they were from Detroit without saying Detroit by using the Coney Island theme and bringing their styles together, kind of complement each other. Because as far as I know, they're the first as a collaborative male and female kind of like duo to do it. Usually it'd be two women or it'd be two dudes or as you said earlier, a whole collective crew of people but you've never seen the male and female kind of come together and do that. So you shifted, you shifted over to Um But that's pretty much what it was, man. And the genius and simplicity on my end, from a marketing standpoint, it was just like that was a start button in terms of bringing them together, that concept to make pay, people pay attention. So it was very intentional in selecting that concept. It was very intentional in remaking the record that we selected. It was very intentional how they collaborated with it because I knew that the hip-hop people would love it. I knew that the street side would love it. I knew people who were fans of that record would remember that sample and it would draw them in. It was like, again, it was like making a cultural piece. And then once that we got people's attention, now we can feed them everything they've been working on and everything they've been doing prior. So all of that was intentional. So I'm, I'm away from the mic. And I'm setting up the camera again. 
right, so with that, I mean, same thing to you guys. What was it about the piece that made you all when when B presented you with the theme that said, all right, this I, I want to hop on this. I'm in. I mean, uh, honestly, it just was a, it was a no-brainer for me because um, already being a fan of Chai's music and work, already doing business and having a, a business relationship with Scarb, it was like, you know, honestly, everything that he has been doing from the past to the present has been well thought, well put together. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's, it's always a reason like, okay, just trust me. You know what I'm saying? And I had, and I, and I have a, a, a big level of trust for him. You know what I'm saying? I know he has my interest at heart, you know what I'm saying? As well as, um, Chai's and our other partners and stuff. So it was like, for me, it was like, okay, if you feel like it'll work, I mean, I mean, what, what can go wrong? Like, yeah. what can honestly go wrong with making a song called Coney Island when it, when it, you in Detroit and everybody can relate? You know what I'm saying? And it's just, uh-huh. honestly, you know, food for the soul, food for the spirit. It's just, you know, um, honestly introducing the rebirth of hip-hop. Like, okay, okay, I know y'all probably tired of that. You know what I'm saying? So well, let me get y'all, bring y'all back on and hit y'all with some of this real hip-hop and stuff and get y'all back into the feel-good music and, and you know what I'm saying, your emotions, you know what I'm saying, and the nostalgia, you know what I'm saying, a whole lot of things, you know. So it was just a no-brainer, honestly, real talk. I, I was with it from from the time that he said who he wanted to do it with and how we was going to execute it, I trust him. It's all I trust. Okay. All right, same thing for you, Josh. What What was it that made you say, all right, I'm on this? I mean, for me, at first, it was all just about the work. You know what I'm saying? It was just, you know, being able to put in some work. You know, be always been the type to present me with some nice opportunities. And so, you know, when his opportunities came my way, I knew that, um, you know, it was something that I wanted to get my best. You know, it was something that I wanted to put my, my best foot forward on, so... That's how it always been. So it was like, you know, it was just like at first it was just was like, okay, whatever you say, whatever you offer, okay, boom, okay, I'll do it, boom, boom. And it's like, um, you know, like if somebody just brings steak all the time, you know, of course you're going to always take the steak and then one day the steak come with like two sides today. <laughs> Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, today with some, with we got some, some smothered some onions on yeah. it, some gravy. Today we got some sides, huh? You know, and then, Facts. you know what I'm saying? Like, Facts. it's like, okay, after something them new, sides, something new, something different. You Let's feel do me? it. Okay, wait a minute. We ain't going to do the steak today. Today, man, you know what I'm saying? We're going to go ahead and do the lobster. The fried lobster tails today. We're going to do the today. fried lobster today. Blah, blah. So it's like, it's all leading up to, okay, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you know? And now all of a sudden, uh, a plan is presented. Mm-hmm. So the the rap, rap is competitive, so too. So it's like by the end, yeah. why not say, why you know, why, so why say no to that? What can go wrong? So Especially this, when I ain't got no better option on the table. So this, this, is the, this is the rapper and me asking the question for you guys. So for it. Were you guys like in the studio? Like, were you listening to her rhyme? Like, okay, okay, I see where you going. Let me, let me, let me, uh, let me, well, let me uh, do this. Or did y'all kind of just go blind? Like, you gonna do what you do? I do what I do. Like, what was the? How did that come? They were both. We were given the concept, the ideas, like ahead of time. Uh, 
He, you know, we we have we have we sit down collectively a lot together. We have a lot of meetings and you know see where everybody head is at, how everybody's feeling. And once um, you know, the idea came, then it was like, okay, this is what we doing too. This is what I want y'all to talk about. And then from there, once once I had the concept, then I just really pretty much just was like, okay, long as I'm gonna deliver on that, I just was focusing on delivering and and doing a good job at the same time. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it, it's. Yeah, he 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 gave us the 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 beat and then said, "Okay, this going." Honestly, Chaz, <laughs> Chaz had came in um with a verse of his and he went. I think he went. No, or was it me? You talking about as far as the hook? The Coney Island, yeah. I think we was just we was just honestly vibing and we dropped our verse and we was gonna come back and say, Okay, this is what we gonna say on the hook. And everything just came organically. I'm gonna be real with you. It was it was an organic was thing two, in there. Two major moments in that session. So yeah, it was two. The first moment was they both kinda went a little over on their verses. Yeah. So the extra that, that they put on their verses was so catchy organically and how they laid it. Myself, uh, our engineer, we was working at the time, Asar, suggested moving that over to begin to build the foundation for the course. Yeah. Then I got the idea when we was there, because I'm a huge fan of the locks, mm-hmm. especially uh, Styles, P, Styles P and Jada, when they go back and forth off each other. So initially the song was just going to be the hook, her verse, his verse, and it was going to be done. But in the booth, I was like, y'all should go. Back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. So we literally put both of them in the booth with the mic. At the same time. At the same time. And, and we, we did it up. that way. I know it was right. other ways. That was all right That was all right off the head. That was all right off the head. Like, I was right. literally looking at her legs. It, it, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shut up. We were just in there being silly. Like, a lot of the times... Is is you know we be vibing you know what I'm saying so it was like okay come in here we both was but in there that, and it was that third verse was or was organic off the top of the head honestly. that's part of what catches I think the the like you hear that when you hear the song the song like okay. you hear yeah. the feel of that because that's back to like emotion it don't sound like it and I know it sounds crazy but emotions are captured in audio mm-hmm. yeah yeah. You, yep, know? you got some of them songs that'll make you speed up when you driving. Some'll yeah. make you cry. Some'll make you think. So it's like, whatever you feel, you come outside. It's a good day. Okay, I'm gonna pop that in. I feel like this, yeah. similar to what you said about driving the focus as opposed to driving the money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You you gonna thug it out on the money, yeah. but then in the focus, you're gonna be like, okay, let me go put that car seat in there. Let me yes. chill out, drive a little yeah. slower, yes. put my yes. blinker on. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a blinker car. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of that, that's it brings us towards the end of this interview. This been. Fun. We actually in overtime because it's past the hour. <laughs> okay, but, but dang, that went but, fast. That was we organic. Like that I do got uh, the classic Detroit is different questions. Okay. So the first one, your very first car, year, make, and model, and what year did you get it? Mm. Uh, 02 Ford Taurus. Okay. Plaza was a 98 Buick. Okay. Uh, a 98 Pontiac Grand Prix. All right. Where was the first place you went when you got your ride? Shoot, uh, I think I might have went to Rudge. I think I went up into that old uh, congested motherfucker. I went up in there in the heart of the artery up in there. Okay. You know, hit the corner, <laughs> corner so people could see me. Okay, okay. So, yeah, you you, you got your ride and was like, I'm, I'm going. Out yeah, I'm about to go be in some corners. That's the whole point. Shoot, let me gas up, wash it, I'm out. Did, you, did you get your crew or did you was you like, I'm going uh, No, nah, I was dull. They was trying to jump in. I'm like, nah, I'm be, let, me, let me get my swerve on. Let me see what I can do by myself. I don't need y'all help. Chaz, 
Um, when I first got my car, man, I just went and um, I went back to the crib. You know what I'm saying? Picked up my nigga T. You feel me? We uh, cause really, I I really got the car just so it was so damn cold that winter, dog. <laughs> we needed the car to smoke It be so in, cold in Michigan. You know what I'm saying? Got the car for smoking purposes. <laughs> <laughs> I really just needed something to smoke in, so. <laughs> It was like, nigga, that's true. That is hilarious. He said, I just needed something to smoke in. I'm tired of sitting outside. Yeah, when we got the car, you know what I'm saying? We went to the store, got some drink, got some, you know what I'm saying? Some. Uh, it was celebrating, baby. Yeah, switches and all that. And um, <laughs> we just cruised. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I probably some put too, I probably put like twenty five in the tank. Oh yeah, you filled that mug all the you way up. Saying? It was a uh it was a blue ninety eight Oldsmobile Buick. Oh yeah, that mug was filled up. Oh no, twenty five bombs. Carpet seats and shit. Okay. I called it the blue beast. Okay. The blue beast. You know what I'm saying? The blue beast. That's um, what's up. All right, where'd you grow? Well for me, it's probably the first time I did. I just thought about it. I could tell God working on it. Shout out my ex-wife. Uh, the 024 Taurus, I drove to my job interview for a job I had today mm. at Michigan State University. Mm. And um, she blessed me, you know, in that situation because I had been busting and footing it for a long, mm. this pre-Uber, pre-Lyft. So mm. I was definitely the dude, put 10, 15, 20 in your gas tank to get to wherever I needed to go. Mm. Had no pro- no shame in catching the bus. Um but that's what I did. My, the whole purpose of getting the vehicle was so that I could make my interview in Lansing. Ain't that's damn? That's like a that's like a, a that's like the pursuit of happiness story. Right. Like it's like yo, I'm going <laughs> to this job for real. <laughs> I had asked for everybody real, like man. true story like because I had just graduated from college, so I literally asked everybody I knew. So uh, shout out to. The situationships I had at the time because terrible they they played their hand. I asked them like, "Yo, let me get the whip, mm-hmm. so I can go get the job." And had they played their situation right, they probably would have got the ring at the time. Because I'm like, this could change. <sighs> I'm pretty sure. It's gonna, yeah, uh, this could uh, change. You should have said that. One. You should have said that one. Peter already like this he is revisionist history. It's real. It's real story. No, I mean, I get somebody to ring because they let you use the car to get the job. No, 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 no. You don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> not understanding what I'm saying. Like what I'm saying is like this wasn't like I still have this career today. Exactly. So this wasn't like me working at Taco Bell or me working at Burger it was King. Shout out to all that ain't that. no like, reason. But I'm just saying like shit, y'all got all bit though. That's why shit don't last not. I got gold. That's why shit don't last not. It's gonna be like Kevin interview. It's gonna be like long story short. All I'm saying is that in retrospect, it was the fact that at the time she was willing. To, to, to make that sacrifice and she believed in what I was trying to do. That's what's up. And so for me, like, that that was the reason. It wasn't for the physical of the car. It was just like, I went to my grandmother, I went to my grandfather, I went to everybody I knew because I knew that if I didn't make that interview, yeah, I wouldn't have got, you know what I'm saying? You that, got that, that right. You can't show up to a job interview <laughs> late. Right. And that changed Unless my whole like life. It changed, it changed my whole family life. It changed mm-hmm. everything that was around me. That's so. what's up. Yeah. I, all right, ne- next classic Detroit is different question. You the DJ at the fireworks. At, it's the end of the fireworks, Woodward and Jefferson. You get to play one song. <laughs> what song you playing? Too short, it's time to go. Okay. 
That song get everybody out the building. They be dancing their way right on up out the place. It's okay. time to go. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> the old school cutie pie record. Old school cutie pie. One way out. Hudson. Detroit connection too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I was T-Pain, just trying to see what you were gonna say. Chop the screw. Yeah. T pain. Okay. Okay. He don't get enough credit. So, and then last question. If you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be? Hmm. Call me young. Okay. That's who most people say. I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell tell you why. Because Coleman get revisionist history too. Yeah, you got that right. Coleman did a lot for the city Mm -hmm. that went unaccredited. Yes. Like he was truly a black Detroit mayor in every sense of each mm-hmm. word of that. Like he 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 did for the community. He kept the streets under control. He kept the policing under control. Like Detroit was blossoming in terms of being the richest black populace. Like Coleman and Young don't get enough credit as a mayor, bro. Like not at all. Not at all. Hey, I wanna take my song back. Okay. You want to change your song? I, song. Change. I, I, I knew you was going to do something. Two in the morning, Woodward Jefferson. I will play Stretch Money Takes Money to Make Money. Okay. Shout out Stretch. Okay. <laughs> people gonna be bo- people will be like, uh, after the fireworks, they're going to be stepping. They're going to be stepping their way home. They're going to be doing like a, a hustle. Mm-hmm. They're looking for the last song. A hustle Shoot, nobody routine. Nobody want to go home. So, uh, rename Woodward after one Detroiter. Who, who is it? Um, proof. Okay, Big P, Love P, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one right there. I'm thinking hard. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking hard. It's it's so it's so much that goes on. Like I would probably say, uh, hmm, I'm gonna go into the boxing realm, like Emmanuel Stewart, because my uncles, okay. I got two uncles that made pro, mm. Frank Tate and Thomas Tate, and they were the ones. Um, he was the one that that trained them and got them into the Olympics and, and was able to create the legacy in my family. Um, you know, and was able to meet a lot of the greats because of that. So I would say that a lot of people don't give it up to Crunk. Uh, you know. That's what's up. You rocking the Crunk colors right now, actually. I Just think I default. am. You know what I'm saying? It is default. my default. Yeah, it is. You know? <laughs> yeah, but that's definitely who I, I, I do. I get the roses to. That's what's up. All right. With that being said, um, thank you so much. Uh, where do people connect with the music? Y'all can drop that, and we gonna get this out. Go ahead, Chaz. Hey, what up, though, man? <laughs> it's your boy Chaz, represent thirty two sixty nine as always. And you can, uh, you know, you can follow me on IG at three two six nine Chaz C H I S E, like franchise. Facebook, Chaz D-Boy Mason. You can go to my official website, dboysound.com, all lowercase. You know what I'm saying? You can check out all of my videos, my latest video, Crown Royal Diary. That's off my album club. Shirley's available on all digital platforms. You know what I'm saying? Coney Island 2. You know what I'm saying? That's my most recent drop with P-Dot. You know what I'm saying? Got eight, you know, fire joints on it. She's doing well, so you know you can check that out on the website, um, YouTube channel Mason Made. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm trying to think, is anything else? 
Temperature check video. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's out. Okay. Okay. And and then I'm going to play a snippet of one of the video. I'm going to talk to you about getting that before okay. this, too. So, same thing for you, P.D.I. How All people right. get uh, to the music. <clears throat> y'all, can, y'all can follow me. Um, I'm active on Facebook, Pamela P. Willis, and my music page, P. Also very active on Instagram, uh, p.music, p-d-o-t-m-u-s-i-c, and dot gang on there. Um, tap into my music. You can uh, read up on my bio. Get caught up on everything from the old to the new. Watch the glow up, www.dotgang.net. Um, go ahead and cop those projects for, for the free. You can get the Coney Island 1, Problem Child 1 and 2, Class Act Raw and Uncut. Also, uh, you can support me. You know what I'm saying? Drop a couple of dollars on your girl and get Cody High Class of 2020, Detroit's Bad Girl, Coney Island 2. You know what I mean? And uh, make sure that y'all just follow us and stick with us, man. We got a lot of work on the floor. We working. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be the last of us. You know what I'm saying? So make sure y'all stay tapped in. All right. Respect. Peace be. Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.